Congressman, good to see you. Good to see you, Matt. I know you rushed over here and you may have to rush back out again. There's um, important votes going on a um, votes just today. a couple of blocks away. But uh, I was thinking uh, about the, this first episode that we did in mid-March of 2020 about COVID-19 and the government's response. And as I recall, I, I didn't rewatch it, but I recall us at the time being super anxious about the trillion dollar bill that they were spending without any review. And you were the jerk that insisted on a vote on that. I insisted on following the Constitution. Yeah. And um, I became the most hated man in Washington, D.C. that day. Yeah. And at the time, we were just we were worried about the economic consequences of taking a pause. We were going to take two weeks off to slow the spread. We were on day 11 yeah. of slowing the spread on March 27th of 2020. Yeah. Um, could you have imagined that no. we would be where we are today? No, we're, we're 18 months, $5 trillion, three jabs, two presidents, and a shredded constitution into slowing the spread yeah. at this point. Uh, could I have imagined it? Actually, I did imagine it. I was terrified that we that the country was losing its collective mind uh, on March 27th, Republicans and Democrats. I felt like that day was the day of no return, and that's what compelled me to come here and force that vote, in spite of having the president th say, throw me out of the party. Nancy Pelosi called me a dangerous nuisance. John Kerry called me an asshole. Liz Cheney Max donated to my primary opponent. It was a pretty good day. Yeah. Like, it's hard to check all of those boxes in one day. But um, at least... A lot of Republicans have come back around and started insisting on votes on these multi-trillion dollar blank check mystery bills, right? They're mostly freshmen. Yeah. Uh, it's not like they came around. The, the zombies are still so zombies. So they, they, they haven't been zombified yet. It's a remarkable period of time in, in the recent history of our country because uh, Republicans don't have a majority in either chamber and we aren't in the White House. So you don't get pistol whipped for voting no it's actually almost in fashion to vote no yeah now that chuck schumer nancy pelosi and joe biden run the show yeah it's, it's easy now because it's partisan and and it's tribal yeah. um speaking of of not easy you were also one of the few people to speak up against the trump's administration's decision to use the cdc to prevent to, to disallow yes. people from paying their rent, or I, I don't know how you say it, from stealing stuff from, from people that owned property. Um, few people realize that that was a Trump administration initiative yeah. that left the garage door open for a lot of the things that Biden is now doing. The CDC eviction moratorium didn't keep people in their houses. It kept people in other people's houses. It violated private contracts that are governed at the state level, and there was no act of Congress that did it, and President Trump promulgated it through the CDC. And I said at the time, and he was president, that this is illegal as hell. It's unconstitutional. And uh, very few, if any, maybe Chip Roy and a few others, stood up with me and said the same thing. Now, uh, fast forward, the summer came around, it finally matriculated to the Supreme Court, uh, and they said, it was kind of a wishy-washy, uh, well, four to five, this is illegal. Five of them said it's illegal, Yeah. but only four of them said we're going to stop it, so it didn't stop. So they said we'll let it expire. When it expired, Congress, there was a mad rush to renew it, but they didn't have the votes. So Joe Biden did it anyway and knew it was unconstitutional. And then, of course, the Supreme Court then later met and said, OK, now we're going to do what we should have done earlier in the summer and we're going to say it's illegal. So what is the status of the, the rent moratorium today? I believe it's gone. Uh, you know, various states, try, I think, tried their other forms of it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, how do you collect the rent that's already yeah. not been paid? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a financial time bomb for both the renter and the whatever the other half of that relationship is. Congress also gave a, a pot of money to the states to, to try and ameliorate the lost rent for yeah. the landlords. But for some reason, they haven't figured out a way, a legal or constitutional way to spend it. There's yeah. some reason that pot's still there and it's not been distributed to the landlords because there is the Fifth Amendment, which says if you take somebody's property, which 
taking possession and control of somebody's property is the same thing, then you have to compensate them for it. So they kind of, I mean, Congress kind of tried to make it a little bit constitutional, yeah, but it still didn't pass muster. And and all of that, and this this gets to the theme I want to talk about today, is like this incredible um, sweeping abuse of of executive government power. Is I I think it's unprecedented in my lifetime. I can't think of another period like this where there's you know I guess I described it not as a slippery slope but a black hole. Yes, I retweeted that. Yeah, I, it's, it's a black hole. I was at the singularity of it. I feel like where time and space collapsed on me on March twenty seventh, twenty twenty. But it's also kind of like a waterfall. Yeah, I, I think it is unprecedented in our lifetimes. FDR kind of did similar things. He interned Japanese Americans. He controlled the means of production. He did a lot of the same things and and uh, bullied the Supreme Court into yeah. going along with it. And and I I personally was shocked at that Biden went so far as to mandate vaccines in private businesses. I'm like, wow, I didn't I didn't even see that coming. I thought there'd be a step or two along the way. Yeah. Like mask mandates, but I but I think he skipped the federal mask mandates uh, because it, non-compliance is obvious. Like you're, you know, if half of Americans are walking around without masks and Joe Biden said, I'll sue you, you know, you go to jail if you don't wear a mask, they can't get compliance. But if the vaccine, if you're not wearing something on your forehead that says, oh, I've been vaccinated, yeah. then uh, non-compliance is hard to track. And so you got, you, you kind of have to assume, well, I guess my, uh, my neighbor got it too. I don't know. Yeah. But that like, and I know people don't care about the Constitution, and you're constantly harping about this, and I know people don't care about abuse of executive power anymore, but I feel like um, the nonchalance by which Republicans use the CDC to impose a rent moratorium sort of opened the door for Biden to say, you know what, I'm going to use OSHA. Yes. And, oh, and by the way, I found this really old, obscure, vague law, and I'm going to try to attach it to that. Um, but to use OSHA to mandate vaccines. Um, that wasn't on my play card. I didn't see that coming. One of uh, his advisors said it was the ultimate workaround or something. But listen, Joe Biden can't walk up to you on a street and stick a needle in you. Like we all we know, all know he can't do that. He, we pretty much, I hope, agree that he can't, all, he can't force 100 million people to get vaccinated. But somehow people are okay if he inserts an administrative agency and an employer in between him and you in that act of violence, of uh, aggression, of putting that needle in you, although you don't want it, it doesn't make it constitutional just because you have some intermediaries. And it's certainly not legal. And I think the Supreme Court, this is just like the CDC thing. The Supreme Court has to rule that this is illegal. They may not rule that it's unconstitutional, but they'll rule that it's illegal. But I think Joe Biden is bluffing. He's doing a head fake here to try to get employers who hate uncertainty. He said, this is what I plan to do. And so employers are going to plan for what he plans to do. So they're just going to go ahead and get and force the vaccine mandate. Meanwhile, nobody can get standing against the Department of Labor or OSHA because the rule hasn't been promulgated. It's yeah. not even been written. Yeah. So I think he's trying to keep it in this area because a safe like nether region where he can't be sued, but meanwhile, he's getting companies to comply. Yeah, and it's like the, the slow walking, even, even if that was promulgated, how long does it take for the Supreme Court to act on these things? We're, we're stuck yeah. in this, this middle you, land. Yeah, you would hope somebody could get a stay uh, you know, to pause this in yeah. court. Remember when Trump tried to do a lot of things, they would find one judge somewhere in the United States that would stay it. And then you get a, a national injunction based on a, a, a local ruling that always, yeah, they always said that works under Trump. Yeah. But how can, why can't that work with a vaccine mandate? Why can't we get a stay in a local ruling that has a federal injunction? It's only sort of a one way valve against freedom. But I would think, you know, when a judge is looking at whether to intervene before the de final decision comes out, they try to see what causes the most irreversible harm. 
and you can't undo a vaccine. Right. Now you could say, well, you can't undo a pandemic either, but uh, it's the the vaccine. You can still spread the. I mean, I don't even. I, if we get into the science of this, it'll take me a long time. Well, I want to go there, but the, <laughs> you know the 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 first question I have, and I want to go back to this because this is a this is kind of a libertarian point. But this question of violence, of, of mandating that somebody get a vaccine or mandating just that somebody has a, a vaccine passport in order to go to the grocery store. And I always ask people to think that those are good ideas. I'm like, what are you personally willing to do to people that don't want to be injected with a vaccine for whatever reason? Maybe they have legitimate health reasons and, and who are we to judge who decides what? Or... It, what are you going to do if uh, people refuse to, to carry around a piece of paper uh, showing their vaccination status and still go to the grocery store? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is, well, they shouldn't. It's, it's wildly naive. Like, are you willing to um, uh, allow an officer of the law who's armed and dangerous to force them by any means necessary to do that? And it's, it's a fundamentally, it's an act of violence in order to force people to do what they don't want to do. But nobody that is in favor of these things thinks about things that way. They're like, well, people should just do it. Right. Instead of saying, cops are going to kick down your door and uh, they're going to use, by any means necessary, they're going to force you to do this. Expand on that a little bit because yeah. I think people don't get that, it. That's my pinned tweet. And I'm afraid to unpin it because I'm afraid if I try to retweet it now, I'll get banned from Twitter, but they've but I got it out there before the vaccine mandates. Yeah, and so my my pin tweet is along these lines: like uh, forcing a needle into somebody is an act of violence. We all know that. If I step across this table and stick a sharp object in your body and inject chemicals, that's an act of violence. Coercing somebody to do that by withholding basic human rights, people are like. Well, where is it in the Constitution? That's not a right to go to work. It's not a right to travel. Well, yeah, it's, that's in the Ninth Amendment, okay? Right. You don't, these, the, all of your rights aren't enumerated. Uh, so uh, coercing somebody by withholding basic rights is the same as that act of violence. And anybody who does either of those two or promotes it should be ashamed of themselves. And so I want to I staked that, that out that ground on Twitter before the mandates came down, and uh, I'm keeping it up there. And maybe they'll retroactively delete that tweet. I don't know. I've already had one tweet censored. Yeah. Ironically, the way they censored it is nobody could read the comments anymore, and nobody could comment, which means I couldn't read the comments. Which means what they did is they didn't shut down my speech; they shut down the feedback from yeah. it. And then I got one of my. You better be careful. But Tom Woods and I did an interview that got delisted off YouTube. Yeah, I'm sort of inspired because I, I I just listened to that episode, and for the life of me, I don't understand why that episode was banned by YouTube because it's. Um, it's an open and reasonable conversation and, and asking questions, but I guess that's what's banned right now. And that's the crux of what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to get you in so much trouble about Thank this. Thank you, please. Because cause you haven't caused enough trouble recently. But I'm, I'm wondering about the singular maniacal focus that the government has on vaccination and specifically its refusal to talk about natural immunity. And this is your favorite... Uh, whipping horse, like yes. you've been like, why aren't we talking about natural immunity? And and I'll tell this story. I've never told it before because I don't want to tell anybody else what to do about vaccination. But uh, you know this story because I told you. Um, I ultimately decided to get vaccinated in large part because my wife was getting vaccinated and because she had to do a lot of international travel. And I like to go travel internationally. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this because I would hate to see my wife turned into a zombie before right, my yes, eyes. Right, yes, you're going to go with her across yeah, the threshold. Like if we should shuffle off <laughs> in some sort of romantic zombie way if we're going to do that. So I got vaccinated, and then I got COVID, <laughs> and then I used ivermectin to treat my COVID. So I don't know if that makes me a good person or a bad <laughs> person, but the one thing I know 
is that the government promised me robust immunity and I got it because I got COVID after I got the vaccine, which gives me robust <laughs> right. natural immunity. You're super immune. And But I don't think the government will acknowledge that, that I've done anything except get a vaccine. And they're probably going to come back and tell me to get a booster and another booster, which I'm not going to do. Natural immunity, this is like, I'm, uh, this is what causes people to wonder if there's a conspiracy here. Because for, it's ever since like germ theory evolved, we've, which has been a few hundred years ago, we've recognized that you, you have an immune system and once it responds, in many cases, you have a lasting durable immunity, not just to that thing, but to other variations of it. So for instance, a lot of people like to use George Washington, General George Washington's uh, vaccine mandate for his troops for smallpox, which was a, a small dose of a live virus administered through your skin. But if you go back and look, so I started digging this up. Did George Washington understand natural immunity from a prior infection? It turns out George Washington had smallpox as a teenager and survived. And so therefore never tried to inoculate himself again. And if you look at his directive, when he sent out the order, it said all of our troops who've not had smallpox, who've not had it, mm -hmm. need to be vaccinated. Like, we have gone back more than 250 years. We're in the dark ages now, right? We're somewhere in the 1500s thinking that this is a, a plague and we've got shaman and magic men and alchemists who are the only ones who can save you. And we don't understand. This is the other thing that causes me. Well, we don't quite yet know how long natural immunity works. Well, then do your damn job. Like, that's your job to find out how long it works. Yeah. So you're either willfully ignorant. And by the way, there are researchers who've already figured this out. Basically, anybody who's had COVID right now is still protected to a in a large measure. I don't want to say it's absolute, but it's far more durable and, and far more uh, robust against variants than the vaccine is. Yeah. And then and this is the point at which everybody says... Congressman Massey is telling people to go have a COVID party and get infected. No, I've never said that. It's like in your case, you took the vaccine. Maybe your symptoms were diminished because of the vaccine. There is data from Pfizer and from other studies that show your symptoms are diminished. But, you know, that's about it. I don't understand why we can't measure these other things that we've measured for hundreds of years. Yeah, it's, I mean, getting at oh. the... If I can, sorry, I'm on yeah. a roll here. The masks, if we can talk about the masks. Yeah. Do you remember when I spoke to you on March 27th or thereabouts of 2020? Yeah. All of Congress met without masks. Why did we meet without masks? Because for 100 years, conventional wisdom was they didn't work. And, oh, not not some like cobbled together cloth mask, but... But we had evolved to standards, and we knew, like, in 95, that's a standard. 95% of the particles of a certain size are blocked from coming in or out of that mask, okay? So they were saying, you're too stupid to wear a mask. You like, So don't even try. We, and that was a lie designed to save the PPE for first responders and frontline workers. Okay. Do you know, like overnight, they switched to another lie to accomplish the same thing. They still wanted to protect that supply, that limited supply of PPE for frontline workers and first responders. So what did they change the lie to? They changed the lie overnight. It didn't take three months. In the course of a few days, They the, the Surgeon General went from, you're too stupid to wear a mask, so don't even try, to here's how you fold a handkerchief, and this will work. Yeah, yeah. He, he made a video of it. He's a blooming idiot. He's a tool. Yeah. And uh, it was it was done. Why was it done? The, the lie. That's was, what's going to get us banned, by the way. Was a, <laughs> the, it was a noble lie to protect yeah. the PPE. But here's the thing. They never undid the second lie to say that, well, if you do want to be protected, uh, you need to wear like a mask with a specification. I'm not a big, you know, I'm libertarian leaning. 
better not claim to be a libertarian. All the Beltway libertarians get upset, and the big L libertarians <laughs> when I say that. The official. Right. So I'm not big, I'm not big on like government uh, measurements and mandates and specifications or whatever. But there are third-party private, you know, like a good housekeeping seal of approval, underwriters laboratory. There, you know, there are organizations that measure these things for the industry. But what I preface all, I preface what I'm saying with that, and here's what I want to say: the mask, the face covering, is the only uh, government-mandated piece of uh, personal protection or uh, medical device for which there is no specification, no regulation, no measurement. It's all theater. Wear something that looks like it'll work and it'll work. Yeah. That's what they say. You know, what's fascinating about this and everybody, you know, Fauci always says, I am the science. I'm following the science. Attacks on me are an attack on science. And, <laughs> and I evolve over time as new data emerges. But um, somebody found a 2017 interview that he did um, where he's, he's, he's almost mocking mask wearing as, yeah. as completely irrational. And, and he's like, do something smart, like get healthy, eat better, exercise. Right. You, and I'm like, that mm-hmm. was, this was like common sense backed up by, by clear science until this magical moment where, where wearing a mask became almost an, a religious act. Right. And the, the vaccine is the sacrament and like, and if you don't comply, it's like you can't be one of us. This whole phrase, this eerie phrase, we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. These people are not selfless. The people who are getting the vaccine are, I mean, they, they try to say they have done it to protect you and me or that they're wearing the mask to protect you and me. Maybe 1% of the people are doing that. 99% of people who are wearing a mask or have taken the vaccine is to protect themselves. And they're uncomfortable with their level of protection. So you better get the mask and the vaccine. That's what they want to protect them. It's not It's not about yeah. this altruistic thing. No. It, the, the logical gymnastics of you must be vaccinated to protect people who are vaccinated from right. getting sick. Right. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't understand. By the way, I think this this virus has achieved a certain amount of spread right now. They don't talk about R naught anymore. They used to say it's all it's 4.0. It's like every person's going to infect four others, and then now it's like wildly more contagious than it was. So they don't even talk about R naught now. It's in animal populations. Dogs have it. Deer have it. Cats have it. They also say. Um, we, we don't know yet if animals give it to people. We think... You sound like Fauci right now. We, yeah. We, what do you think? There's, there's like 10 million deer out there in the wild that yeah. interacted with humans, and that's how they got it. No. If humans can spread it to deer and deer can spread it to deer, then how do deer not spread it to humans? Like if you're close enough or your pets or something like that. But what I'm saying is this virus is not going away. Everybody is going to be exposed to it at some point, and what? And you may have a completely asymptomatic uh, reaction to it if you've got the vaccine, but you can still spread it. Yeah, I think the only off ramp is the, from this pandemic is the off ramp you took. You took the the easier off ramp, but possibly by having the vaccine. Yeah, but until I think it's the, and by the way, if I'm not right, we're screwed. Right. If I'm not right, we're screwed because the vaccine is not an off ramp. Right. Well, that's the and that's the there is for those of us that actually care about people and we care about um, not just um, surviving this particular health threat, but we care about the future of our own prosperity and our kids and our grandkids and all that stuff. Um, that that was one of my original thoughts. Like, you know, if we're going to take a time out to flatten the curve. I don't know if you remember this. The- no, wait, wait, let me just interrupt. It's so quaint as you're talking about kids and grandkids. We, we used to say eventually this is going to affect our kids and grandkids. 
Matt, I hate to tell you this, but you don't get to leave this planet until we go to hell. Like before we go to hell, like it's not that far away anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's the surprising thing. Sorry to interrupt, but it's not about kids and grandkids. It's about us right, right. now. This, the, the dollar's going to collapse. The inflation's going to hit and we've lost our marbles in terms of science. And I don't know that there's any going back and we're kind of screwed in this generation, not the next one. Well, you changed the subject and now Sorry. I, now I want to go full. Um, can we, did we, just, this is depressing. did we make those tinfoil hats? Because I feel like we need to put them on now because it, this gets back to, and I'm going to use the word conspiracy the way that Adam Smith would, like the natural tendency of people to conspire to their own self-interest against the public interest, not some grand global conspiracy. I don't. I don't think our. I don't think our overlords are smart enough to do that. I don't. I don't know where this. I saw this definition, but my favorite definition of conspiracy is that uh, cons- actually conspiracy theories are unnecessary to explain what happens when uninformed self-interests are at work. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'm thinking about in this case the pharmaceutical companies. It would be super cool if I was a big corporation and I could convince the government through the right lobbyists and and the right payola to mandate that every citizen globally take my product. I'm like, that's a good business, right? And the payment mechanism's already figured out too. Not only do, do they have to take it to do virtually anything except run around with a loincloth in the wild and live in a cave, which seems to be the only right you have now. Yeah. Although, again, they're vaccinating animals, so even those of us who are put in that category are probably going to be hunted down. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. And so that's and that, that's just standard public choice theory. There's, there's this um, natural incentive for, for pharmaceutical companies to not only promote vaccination, but now pr- promote boosters, and they're, they're producing all these studies that say, oh, we need, we need this booster, we need that booster. Um, it might be true. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think we should look at it with clear eyes that say these these guys now have an incentive to encourage vaccination over natural immunity. There's no mm-hmm. profit in natural immunity. There's a profit in some scientific solution that and, can be marketed. And the question is what motivates the people in government who are complicit in that marketing scheme? By the way, the CDC was given a billion dollars by Congress to promote the vaccine, just like public promotion. So, so it's being the advertisements are paid for by the government, and the claims that CDC make, if the if the companies themselves made those claims, they would be shut down. Yeah, like Dr. Fauci and the CDC can invent data to say that, oh, everybody needs this vaccine, and it's immensely, uh, I think maybe you and I spoke about this. I'm not sure if we've talked since then, but I exposed the CDC was lying about the Pfizer data. They said that the vaccine was 92% efficacious for you if you'd had COVID already. Mm-hmm. And I went and looked at the data. It didn't show that. I called up the CDC. They called me back. They got their top scientists on the line. I recorded every phone call. Because I, I was, you know, uninformed self-interest. I'm not saying there was a conspiracy afoot. Yeah. And they agreed I was right, that they had mischaracterized this, and that they would change it, but they never did. Yeah. So the, let's take it a step further. Let's go full tinfoil hat here. Um, and our, your friend and Senate colleague, Rand Paul, has been banging this drum and and pushing uh, Anthony Fauci quite hard on whether or not um, NIH supported the Wuhan lab and gain-of-function research. And it's now looking pretty clear, um, you know, we don't know still, but it's looking pretty clear that as, as, as a lot of people had suggested early on, this, this thing looks like it leaked from a Wuhan lab. And they were either collecting bat viruses that that got out of the lab or they were doing something more nefarious. But is it possible that all of this stuff, the masks and the lockdowns and the the forced vaccinations and the passports is a way to distract us from the fact that our own government is culpable for having helped create this damn thing? Well, I've I've said... We're totally banned now, by the way. Right, right. I've said... uh, 
bastardization of science by a totalitarian government is not the solution to the bastardization of science from a totalitarian government. In other words, it's they're just heaping this on. Yeah. But I'm glad you you said the NIH funded and Dr. Fauci funded. Where'd they get the money? Congress gave it to them. Like so I got like all my colleagues who are wringing their hands, where you know did Dr. Fauci give the money to NIH and then the NIH gave it to the uh, Wuhan lab? Actually, there was an intermediary, right? There's another, before it went to the Wuhan lab, there's that one guy, I'm, I don't remember his name. He's got some quasi-institute of something. So it always goes through somebody else, but it started at Congress. It started with the government taking that money out of your wallet. Yeah. And, and uh, Fauci can't rob you on the street. He uses Congress. Yeah. So this is an indictment of Congress that we are wondering and still don't yet know if we spent our money on that. Right. Spent your money on right. that. <laughs> well, that that gets at like one of my, and this, I'll, I'll go all geeky Austrian economist on this. It's all right. We're already banned. Yeah, we're already Nobody's banned. Nobody's going to see so this So we can part. say whatever we want. Um, <laughs> actually, we, we have a safe haven because this will get published on Blaze TV. Okay. Um, which they can't. I hope they have servers somewhere in, in the Antarctic that are uplinked through a satellite that can't be taken out. But but there's there's sort of a Hayek point, and I know you make fun of me when I quote Austrian economists, but there's a Hayek point. <laughs> They're that, overrated. That sort of <laughs> sort of backs up this point about we we've essentially nationalized scientific research. And it's not officially nationalized, but so much money flows through the NIH and what is there, 23 different arms of, of the NIH, which I just learned. Um, but, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars flow through that. So we've, we've sort of captured the scientists and the scientific research that would normally be having a robust debate about natural immunity and a robust debate about vaccines and lockdowns and all this stuff. And, you know, there's a few outliers that the Great Barrington Declaration signers are eminent epidemiologists that have taken a different position, but they're essentially banned from getting future NIH funding at this point. So we've we've destroyed science, which is this open-ended process and, and a, almost a hum, uh, humility-based process of challenging all of your suppositions and, and constantly testing them and iterations and all that, and replaced it with Anthony Fauci saying, if you question me, you're questioning science, right? That's that's pretty dangerous stuff. You know, as a as a pragmatic libertarian, I have to work through these issues in Congress, and people come to me like uh, with lobbying for money for to study rare infectious disease, rare diseases. They may be genetic, and how do we find the cures? And I've actually I had a position which I'm starting to rethink which was, you know what, this, uh, this isn't going to be done at the state level, okay? There's not a lot of money in finding the cure, and it's basic research, and we're not funding the drug, and we're not providing health care. So maybe there is a federal role for, for funding this research on this virus and what some of the cures and causes are for this, or, or not just virus, any kind. It could be genetic yeah. disease. And um, and then that's sort of where I draw the line in terms of the government getting involved in uh, medicine. But now, because of what I've seen and the bastardization of the data at CDC, I'm starting to question that. Do we really move forward when all of them are captured and then they're funding people and they're they already know the answer they want? The, the government funding agents because there's a corporation that's going to make money if the answer comes out that way. And yeah, they're not controlling 100% of the money, but just like with the Department of Education, which, which funds like 10% of public education, they, they are able to capture and sort of control the whole group thought. Yeah. And it's dangerous. So group yeah. thought is dangerous anywhere. Yeah. And and particularly in science, it's it's sort of the anti-science to to have this one perspective um, that just happens to, to fundamentally violate everything that the science understood for, as you've pointed out, two centuries. But definitely in, in modern times, everybody 
agreed that lockdowns were, were a dangerous idea because of the collateral damage. Um, everybody understood that cloth masks were a joke. Um, and, and everybody also understood that, that natural immunity was fundamentally herd immunity, whatever we want to call right. this. This is, this is how humanity the, uh, builds up its immune system, and this is how we get through viruses. Here's the other thing that you can see and you can document, the evolving uh, effort to change our language. They've redefined vaccine at this, on the CDC website twice, uh, they they took any mention of herd immunity off, and now they put herd immunity back, but they sort of define it a little bit differently. And so they're, you know, Orwell knew if you could control the language, or he saw governments do this. He yeah. didn't predict the future. He looked at the evil crap that have gone on in the past and extrapolated to where we are today, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he got the year wrong. Make Orwell fiction again is <laughs> right. one of my favorite T-shirts. I've got that one too, uh, but that you know, controlling the language is part of it, and they're they're even trying to control the definition of what science is, and um, so we're we're in a very dangerous time. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, uh, let's take it one step further, just so we can actually get banned from the servers. I don't I don't know what the ultimate banning is, but. Uh, when they are going to knock on the door, <laughs> there's stormtroopers are going yeah. to come through the ceiling. But um, I don't think that the government pandemic industrial complex had this in mind um, when they first reacted to the virus. I, I think they were just doing the political thing of sort of ginning up fear and then coming up with with solutions. But at this point. And you hear you hear it from President Biden, but you hear it from all of our uh, global masters. Like, we're, this is the Great Reset, as Glenn Beck calls it. I call it COVID socialism. Um, Joe Biden calls it Build Back Better. Now that we've broken everything, um, this is a great opportunity for government planners to say, you know what? From now on, now that we've nationalized the the distribution and the purchasing of vaccines, we could do that for all healthcare. Mm-hmm. Now that, that we've essentially nationalized um, rental properties, why, why not just take it a step further? So I, I think um, whether it was planned or not, I think a lot of big government types now view that as, as the most um, tremendous opportunity to do all these things that they couldn't have done under normal circumstances. And, and you, you mentioned FDR earlier. Um, there's, no, there's no going back to pre-FDR abuse of power. It's, it's hard to do. Our, our own governor in Kentucky, by the way, his, his dad was a governor. His dad's name was Steve Bashir. His name is Andy Bashir. I call him the Andy variant. He's much more dangerous to our Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, he went to, he sent the state troopers, they're called troopers, the state troopers to the churches to write down license plates of anybody who dared to defy his order not to go to church. Uh, in the state of Kentucky, there was a woman who was going to go to Michigan. This happened last year. She went and got a test. This was before home tests. Found out she had COVID, so she, she was doing the responsible thing. I don't want to travel if I've got COVID. They told her to sign a document saying she would ne- not leave her house. She said, well, I'll tell you what. I won't leave my house, but I'm not signing your document. They, they sent these swat cars to her house and put ankle bracelets on her and her husband. Yeah. There is uh, nothing they won't do yeah. that if they can get away with it. And it's only because people kind of revolted to that. But it's sort of like Joe Biden's strategy is sort of like uh, Russia in the Ukraine. It's like for us, like do a big buildup of tanks and stuff somewhere and then just wait. And see if anybody does anything. And if there's no objection, just do some more of it and go forward and take a little town or go across the border. And then just stop and pause for a while and let that soak in. You know, Joe Biden's vaccine mandate was announced on a Thursday. If you got good news, you put it out on Monday, on a Thursday before the 9-11 weekend. Yeah. And so it wasn't patriotic. Uh, that weekend to complain about Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. The, pa- the patriotic thing was to remember 9-11. And then you wake up Monday and you're like, did he really do that Thursday? Yeah. 
and it just kind of soaks in. And they, you're right, we're not going back. Uh, there was also the sort of concept of minimum basic income that was uh, advanced. And yeah. people got checks, just send checks out. By the way, I think it was uh, George was it George Bush who sent checks out once. Uh, remember that? $600 checks? Mm-hmm. But this was, you know, and then Trump was trying to get his checks out like before the election. It was a big old signature on them. Yeah. But that, but that was it. Like he, he's just blatantly political. That, that, that was what that was all about. But it, it still opens the door to, and and now you have. I mean, we all complain about this. You have these these generous. You know, they call them unemployment benefits, but it's basically paying people not to work, which is the UBI, right? The universal right. basic income. And and lo and behold, we've probably taught a lot of people, hey, it's cool if people just give me, give me money. Why would I go work my ass off? Right. It's, it's corrupting in a, in a way that's hard to unwrap. It is. There's, and the, there's a generation of, you know, of a couple years here where we've gotten acclimated to this, and businesses are having a hard time finding people to fill just basic jobs. And um, it's just it's rotting out the core of our country. These principles, they're in fast, it's a fast forward. It's, yeah. I guess that's what's surprised me and, you know, you is that it wasn't a slippery slope. Well, it, it doesn't surprise me that the government's doing it. It's surprising me that Americans are letting them do it. And and I, I want to sort of end on some hopeful notes here because otherwise we're just going to be super depressed. I'm waiting for this. But before, before we do the, the optimistic stuff... <laughs> Um, I, I need to point out that you predicted um, last March that we would have a serious problem with the supply and price of meat. And uh, the Biden administration denies this, but there are serious problems now. It actually took longer than I thought it would, that it would take to, to get here. But, but we did predict this because we think about economics, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a bill called the Prime Act that would make it easier for uh, farmers to sell directly to consumers because there's actually an oligopoly in the middle, four companies, one's owned by the Chinese, one's owned by Brazil, that is empowered through government regulation, and they love the government regulation. I said the solution to this is lower regulation. COVID hit. I went from 25 co-sponsors to 50 co-sponsors on both sides of the aisle. People are like, yeah, this is stupid. Farmers shouldn't be euthanizing animals instead of, you know— turning them into groceries yeah but the uh, and so i introduced this bill to to sort of fix this uh but it's been here's how successful it's been it's been so successful they had to introduce a fake version of my bill so that when people call up and say why aren't you doing something about the food supply and the price of meat and blah blah, blah co-sponsor massey's bill they say okay we're on this bill and it's a bait and switch so that's when you know you're succeeding is when yeah. you have to have the fake bill to to kind of intercept the demand for your bill. Who's who's got the fake bill? It's in the ag committee. It's okay. to protect all okay. the members of the ag committee. Uh, <laughs> almost, I think, none of which who are on my bill, because it presents a threat to the industrial meat complex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back to um, small C conspiracies and and the natural incentive of people to to feather their own nests at the expense of the public. So what's the optimistic thing here? So I, people, so I think some people are waking up. Yeah. Um, let me also say this: the there, I maybe this is a fantasy, but I think the the, the totalitarians, the that are the autocrats. I think they're overplaying their hand. Yeah. They're not looking at at demographics, at at the cross tabs on their polls. Right. Biden right now has an open war on women working women of childbearing age uh, who don't want the vaccine are take are making a decision to leave the workforce yeah. because um, they've decided they don't want the vaccine and this is their only opportunity there's some in their in their uh, last semester of college who were going to become teachers or nurses who are now being told you have to have the vaccine to finish your education the, like so Biden's got a war on women there are other demographics within, you know, the the, the demo, Afri- African Americans. Yes, blacks are uh, don't 
want to be told to take this vaccine in large numbers proportionate to, to other demographics, for instance. Yeah. And they're ignoring this. I saw that BLM is like teaming up with uh, folks who are vaccine mandate hesitant, by mm-hmm. the way. I'm not I'm not promoting vaccine hesitancy. I don't think this is going to get us unbanned. Yeah. But I'm going to say this anyway. I'm promoting vaccine mandate hesitancy. But uh, I hate that we have to say that, by the way, like. <laughs> Uh, innovative pharmaceutical products saved my life 18 years ago when I had cancer. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for pharmaceutical companies and I've done all sorts of vaccines and, but we always have to say we're not against vaccines, but we're against this whole damn thing. Like what, what the hell are we doing right now? I don't know. But so back to the optimism. Yeah. Uh, I I went off track. Yeah. I, I think, um, well, first of all, freshmen who showed up this year because they saw me on March 27th of 2020, they thought that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Other congressmen weren't doing anything. I was demanding roll call votes. They show up. They sit on the floor. There'll be like 12 of them. They take shifts. They take turns making sure nothing passes on a voice vote. That, like, I'm super excited about that. I almost don't even get to ask for a vote, my, a recorded vote myself anymore because there's already somebody willing to do it. Yeah. Um, and... And and you have people running for school board that would have never run for school board. But the freaking, by the way, uh, the symptoms of the Andy variant in Kentucky, our <laughs> governor. Okay, let me tell you. He, remember, his dad was Steve Bashir. We thought we got rid of that virus. We thought Matt Bevin took it out. And we get the Andy variant. So, symptoms include loss of balance in your bank account, <laughs> confusion about when your business can be open or not, shortness of breath because you have to, to wear a mask, but also delayed learning because our kids have been out of school more than they've been in school. So those are symptoms of the Andy variant that many people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky are suffering. But this delayed learning aspect, moms are getting ticked off. They know it's stupid. Yeah. If you've raised a toddler and tried to, you know, they, you've always, we had four kids. One of them had a runny nose every day. Okay. There's no way that would have worked with a right. mask. Plus, right. he would he was rebellious and all this stuff. Like at, at the age of it, two, it runs in the family. I yes, suspect. yeah, he got my genes. So, um, well, that's a, that's a big thing. Like the the counter revolution, uh, a very peaceful counter revolution, is moms saying moms who really wanted um, to make the government school system work for their kids for all of the reasons that that we know about, they're like, you know what, I'm gonna go find a pod, I'm gonna find some variation of homeschooling, I'm gonna find a thousand different alternatives. And the numbers show that, that, that moms are just bailing on the incredibly arrogant reaction of the teachers unions and how they've controlled wow. education. And I, w- I would even point to Australia as an optimistic thing, not what Australia is right. doing, like they're building freaking camps, but, but I see people in the streets in growing numbers um, it they need to stay peaceful, which is difficult when right. when the when the when police you're are shot actually, by rubber bullets. Yeah, it, it it's turns hard to out keep that people don't like that politeness. <laughs> um, and another optimistic thing is Sweden's open for business. Yeah, uh, Denmark just reopened for business, and it turns out that if you just let um, people work through this process relatively free, that's the best way to combat the virus. Let me heap on one more layer of optimism. Governor Ron DeSantis, we have 50 states, and this is why, you know, allowing states' rights is important. There's 50 places where we can try different things. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, I believe, is appealing to young people from other states who are, they can't go to bars, they can't go on spring break, but Florida, it's like, oh, wow, we can go to the beach in Florida because... They have a Republican governor, not yeah. a communist governor. Yeah, they don't. They don't have the dissent. Well, the the DeSantis variant is far less dangerous. <laughs> Ron DeSantis better than horse paste. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the antidote to all the, the the COVID government nonsense. Yeah, you know, people ask me, and and we'll end on this because um, you you were a product of of the Tea Party Revolution. Um, and I was a Tea Partier, and, and people are constantly coming up to me and saying, we got to start another Tea Party. This is out of control. Um, I don't think we start another Tea Party at all. I, that, was, that was a decade ago. That was then. Um, but there is a, a new grassroots coalition of people 
using common sense, saying, this is just crazy. We got to do something. We got to find a path forward. And I, I think that's what's going to happen in the United States. Um, I'm seeing it happen in other places around the world. And, and I'm there for it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, even if I hope, hopefully I don't have to take a rubber bullet. That would suck. <laughs> yes, as part of the Tea Party movement, but also the Ron Paul movement. Yeah. And coalitions are important. Trump formed a coalition. He found people di- that were disaffected with the Democrat Party, and that's how he beat Hillary the first time. Uh, so, you know, the, these coalitions are important. I think we're seeing coalitions of people who the thing they have in common is bodily autonomy, sovereignty. They want to decide what to eat. Uh, they, you know, want to decide how they can build their house without government intervention, where they can get their power. How to educate their kids. Uh, yes, the homeschooling movement. I feel like, you know, my kids, all my kids went to public school. I went to public school. I'm feeling like when I have grandkids, I want to volunteer to homeschool them. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, like a, a, a lot of uh, very progressive civil libertarians in the media, I'm thinking of guys like Glenn Greenwald, but there's a bunch of them who are just offended by the fact that you can't actually have this conversation, that this conversation will be banned, um, that that's part of this coalition too. So I, you know, I think that's the thing we have in common. So I'm I'm optimistic about that. Uh, I don't know that it's a new party, but you don't need a new party. You need uh, a movement. Yeah. And you can be. It's effective. probably not even about politics, right? Nope. It's it's about it's about values. That's which, right. Which of course is where Ron Paul came from and where the Tea Party came from. And so I'll be, I'll keep that flame burning in okay. Congress for the people who believe in those things and freedom, whatever form it may take, whether it's your food or to take a vaccine or not take a vaccine, to receive a treatment or not receive a treatment, to, to travel on your, you know, own free accord without a passport, you know, that shows your medical situation. Crazy. That's crazy talk. Crazy talk. As we speak, there is some censorous gnome at Twitter that's finding that pinned tweet <laughs> and deleting it from your account. There'll be a lot of activity, and you'll you'll also receive some secondhand hate for having me on your show. Yeah, I I, I look forward to it. <laughs> All right, thank you for Thanks, squeezing Matt. us in. That was amazing. Where can I get more content just like that? It's a great question. You're clearly a discerning consumer of the best content. Make sure to like the video, subscribe, and click the bell. And if you're consuming podcasts, go to Apple, Stitcher, anywhere you get them. I'm in. Kibbe on Liberty, honest conversations with interesting people.